Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have Justin Allen. He started off his career as an IT auditor and then became an operational risk analyst at Raymond James before becoming the senior manager of technology, risk management, and governance at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which then led him to being the director of information security at BBVA, which is now PNC Bank. And now Justin is the head of attack surface reduction at U.S. Bank. And in hindsight, I probably should have asked him what it being the head of attack surface reduction even means. But um, Justin does have an audit background and works extensively with auditors, um, as you'll hear in the show. I really want to get his perspective now that he's in security. Obviously, security is not going away. And so we wanted to get here his thoughts relative to working with audit and security. Uh, a lot of folks ask us, how can I, as an auditor, get into security? So that's certainly a question that we asked Justin and get his thoughts on. We also talk about the shift that security is taking. Um, and we talk about how to formulate your goals as well as being agile within security, not like being agile, but like literally using the agile methodology within security. I know some internal audit departments have adopted agile um, and it's no different within security. So it's always interesting to hear how different departments are um, using agile. So with that, here we go. What makes your brain happy? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great question. I would say what really makes my brain happy is um, collaborating on a really complex and difficult problem and coming up with a creative solution. So it's just, in my experience, never been enough for me to just solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Like I need to figure out a creative way to solve the problem. And my brain like gets really excited and I get going really hard if it's super complex and it takes bringing together multiple people and coming up with some out of the box solution to get it done. Um, a lot of people in my position would say that what they hate slogging through the most is like budgeting and figuring out how to get tools and buy things and whatnot and move around OPEX and CAPEX and all that kind of crap. And I would say that that's the part of my job that makes my brain happy. A lot of the time is how do I, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul? How do I get, you know, self-funding for things? How do I come up with creative ways to get tools in that we need or creative ways to, to staff something by you know rearranging things and figuring it out so um if you 
are in my department, you know, we're in constant change, but it, to me, it makes a lot of sense because I like to move things around and figure out creative ways to solve the problems. Um, so what makes my brain happy is creative solutions to difficult and complex problems. Problem solving has probably been the number one answer, but I like that you, the almost a twist of the creative problem solving. That's great. What song makes your brain happy? That's a really difficult one. Um, I would tell you right now that um, the song that's making my brain happy is You Can't Stop Me by Andy Mineo. Um, So I'm a big hip hop fan. Um, I like Andy Mineo. My kids sing it, which also makes me happy. Um, I, I like to have, you know, a six and a three-year-old in the back seat back there rapping. And yeah, yeah. Um, my, my oldest can like hit almost every verse. And, and that's really, that's cool to me. Um, also the message of just like, you know, there's always going to be the odds stacked against you. There's always going to be some reason you can't do something, but figuring out that you can't stop someone. And, and like those things, those odds don't matter. Those things that, that stack up against you, they don't matter. Um, and, and really putting, putting weight behind, like why you'll never be able to stop someone, you know, and, and someone who's determined like that. So well, yeah, I'm, anyway, I'm unfamiliar, my brain happy today. I'm unfamiliar with the tune, but I will, we'll check it out. Sounds like a, um, if, if nothing else, a good message. What's your favorite tool? And that could be a productivity tool. It could be a cyber tool. It could be, I think probably the most popular answer so far has been a pen and paper. Um, so it could be, it could be anything. Or if you're just like, dude, I got this hammer for Christmas. It's definitely not a pen and paper. Um, it's funny. I was having a conversation with some friends yesterday because we were talking about handwriting and I was like, other than signing my name to something, I legitimately cannot remember the last time I've written anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 it's probably been years. I, I don't handwrite things anymore. So, um, I think that uh, the answer for me changes, you know, a lot, but today my favorite tool I would say is ServiceNow because it works so well for automating workflow and really makes our jobs easier. Um, You know, it's not the perfect tool. It is by no means the greatest thing on earth, but it's the best thing that we've got to fight the battle we're fighting today, which is speed and accuracy. Um, And so from a workplace perspective, it's got to be service now. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and then at you, home, I would tell you a pooper scooper because I got dogs and man, that, <laughs> that's the best tool on earth. All right. If you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and be like, will you please just do this one thing? What would that be? Give me more heads up than the same quarter you're coming in. Um, and I would say that has been a consistent beef that I've gotten is, or had not gotten a consistent beef that I've had is that we end up doing more unplanned work for audits than we do um, for anything else. And it just, the lack of heads up and planning, I typically find out about an audit when the first day letter is issued. I will say that my current employer is pretty good about it. They publish things and we've got a new audit director and he's really killer about um, partnering with us, giving us a a good heads up about what's going on, trying to be as, uh, how do I say this? Uh, Least impactful as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I, I think the majority of people that sit in my seat understand the value of an audit. Like I, I get it. And I think that it's really helpful what I wish that it wasn't was so impactful to my work. 
um, and and so intensive to you know what we do. So it like it takes my guys away, and if I've got the whole quarter planned out, I now have to re- rearrange my quarter for that three or four week right. impact that we're going to have, where people are getting pulled away and having to go in eight different directions to get information pulled differently. And that that's the part that I wish. So so pre planning and pre notification as far ahead as possible. Even if you could give me a year heads up, that'd be fantastic, man. I, w- I would love that. I could plan for it. So that's what I would like to grab pretty much every auditor and shake them and tell them. So before the, before we did the recording, you and I were talking, you were talking about this, this shift in security uh, and you being the mm-hmm. expert, the expert, what is that shift that you're talking about? What does it look like? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So what has happened, especially with the Biden administration, has been a, a real shift to try to protect critical infrastructure and um, try to give some directives from the CISA. Uh, so that's a department of the, that's a sub-department of the Department of Homeland Security um, and really giving these directives, which tell you, you know, how much security you should have if you fit into critical infrastructure. Um, the, the shift that that's caused that I've seen, because I work in banking or financial services, so we've got, we're pretty heavily regulated to start with, but the shift that that's going to cause is that now critical infrastructure, so, so you know, power companies and even small power companies, um, you know, all sorts of utilities, these organizations are going to have to start staffing up their cybersecurity, and they're going to have to start funding it, and they're going to have to start pulling the talent that you know, all of us are fighting for. And that big massive shift is what I would say it's caused is really that, you know, we hear a lot about how many jobs are out there in cybersecurity. Well, I, I'm no longer competing against just banks. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer competing for talent against just the Amazons and Microsofts, which is hard enough. Now I got to compete against the, you know, um, Southern companies and the even the smaller like rural power companies, Alabama Power. Like I now have to compete against them because they have to pull from the same talent pool that I do as well. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side of that, I think it's great because we're you know a, a rising tide lifts all ships, and the stronger we are as a collective, then the harder it is for our entire economy to to get trashed mm-hmm. by by a nation state. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of positives to gain from that. And I think that the one part we're missing is how do we get folks that are in these larger organizations who have been regulated for a very long time to start giving back and trickling that information down to organizations that haven't. Yeah. So how do we get those together? Because right now what we've got, we have like the FSI stack, which is the financial services, uh, information security something, something. Um, but basically it's all the big banks, all, all the banks get together and we go, Hey, how do we do security together? Let's share information. Let's do all these cool things, but we don't have Alabama power there with us where we can help them understand. We don't have, you know, rural electric from Idaho there. And that's the part where maybe they're trying to pull the talent, but we're still not thinking up on the intelligence and, yeah, and how we're doing it, things and, and really, really trying to pull stuff up. So the okay. shift has happened where we've created this huge need, but what we haven't shifted to is, okay, now what do we do with it? Yeah. <laughs> right? We've created yeah. a market. But what and, now? And, um, and so, yeah. so I think that lends itself to the, the other thing I wanted to ask you, or one of the other things I wanted to ask you, since there is this talent gap 
How did you, because I know your background is in audit, how did you get into cyber? How can more people get into it? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, my, it, it's probably best if I just explain my path. So um, I went from external audit to internal audit to operational risk to technology, GRC, or governance risk and compliance, to security operations, to uh, attack surface reduction. And so my path has always been kind of near risk management is what I would say. And to me, that's the underpinning of everything that we do. Like you guys are, are auditors. What are you doing? You're helping manage risk, operational risk folks, even if it's like in CCAR or, you know, um, credible challenges, any of those kinds of things, what are you helping to manage risk? And then, you know, GRC, managing risk. Right. Security operations, we're just managing risk. And, and in the tax surface reduction, we're just managing risk. The, the thing about it is that the people that want to get into security, what I would say is you have to have a strong background in risk and understand that, you know, there's an inherent risk. There are things you can do to reduce that. And then there's a residual risk. And that all has to kind of equal out to where everybody's comfortable with it. The shift in the security has to come with that middle part and that, that control part and understanding, okay, what is it that I implement that brings that risk down? What's the right way to do it? Is it automated? Is it manual? And really being able to figure that middle part out instead of just figuring out the inherent and the residual part and finding gaps there. Yeah. That, that was the big shift for me is in, um, and jokingly earlier I said this, but you know, I'll say it again. I say I started using my powers for good. And that's, I mean, it's, it's a funny way to say it, but really what I mean by that is instead of pointing at the problem and saying there's a problem, what I really wanted to do is get my hands dirty and try to fix the problem. And I think there's a lot of value in both of those things, right? So I want somebody in there going, hey, there's a big gap right there that you guys didn't see. And then what I want to do is I want to take that information and go, okay, let me creatively figure out a way to fix this because that's the fun part for me, right? Like I understand that's what lights my brain up is, is the actual digging in and going, let's think through this. Let's, let's come up with ways to fund it. Let's come up with ways to put the, the controls in place and then proving it out, right? And saying, hey, I had an inherently very high risk. I put X, Y, and Z in place and that, that residuals out to a low and we're comfortable with that because it's within tolerance. And so really, you know, it's all about risk management, understanding risk management, and then taking that and figuring out, you know, if you want to get into security, it's what's that middle piece. Um, and that's my career path. What I would say to anybody coming straight out of college, go work in a security operations center for a couple of years. Like go sit in a sock for a couple of years. That's going to be your entry point into security. If you want to grow up through security. Yeah. Um, I made the transition over a little bit later in my career, but yeah, it's fun either way, man. We're having a blast and there's tons of jobs out there. <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. Uh, I, I um, have an appreciation for that answer. Um, you were talking earlier about when we were talking about if you could grab every auditor by the shoulders and shake them. And I think what might help <laughs> with some folks in doing that, you know, you, you, and you talked about the, the planning, basically, I think if people empathized and knew a little bit more about what's on the plate uh, of someone in your position, mm -hmm. then maybe that would help other folks that are dealing with that. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. 
Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. And so what is your, what, what's on your plan for the year? What are your goals for the year? And how did you formulate them? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so for me, uh, I, I kind of use that risk management background um, in taking over <clears throat> any job what I do is go ahead and find a framework that fits it, right? So um, when I moved into security operations, went out and hit up COBIT and said, what does COBIT say I'm supposed to do here? What does the FFI, or FFIC guidelines say I'm supposed to do here? Um, and, and really try to dig in and, and, and figure it out. NIST has got a great framework, 800-53. If you're in um, banking, it's NIST CSF. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of frameworks you can use and pull and go, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what's the entirety of what I'm supposed to be doing? And then what I like to do is lay that out. I use hands a lot, sorry. Um, I lay that out and then I lay out what we do and I look for anything that's missing, anything that's a gap or anything that, that, that's weak. And that's where we formulate goals. We go, okay, I know I've got some hot spots here, here, and here. And then for a department, those are gonna be the things we focus on. Um, Earlier, when I went into security operations, that we were doing annual planning, figuring that kind of stuff out, um, and, and said, hey, let's set a goal for the end of the year and work our way toward it. Um, as we've gone on, what we found, what I found, is that if we don't align with the way the business works and we don't align with the way technology works, then we're going to kind of be screwed when we're trying to do those annual goals. And security's yeah. lagged in the past with that. So this year for us, um, in February, we rolled out a product model within my organization, uh, and we have shifted to working in agile sprints where possible. Um, and the reason being, right, is that if our technology brethren who are going to have to implement a lot of these things that we're saying need implementing or going to have to partner with to do the technological part of it, if they're working in two-week sprints and doing quarterly planning, and I'm doing annual planning and working toward an end-of-the-year goal, then we're doing this. I mean, yeah. there's no way we're ever going to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And we're going to get frustrated with them because they don't work the way we work. So we said, all right, let's define products and say, as a security organization, we deliver the following three products. And here are the three services that we have to build these products out. And we're going to start using JIRA. I mean, you could use any other sort of um, work intake mechanism you want yeah. to. We use JIRA boards, Kanban boards. And we say, all right, we take the work in, we prioritize the work and see what we can accomplish in two weeks based off of the points assignment to it. And then that way we're going and we're working with a, a combined JIRA board with our, our technology friends and engineers. And we're going, hey, you got a dependency on me. I got a dependency on you. Let's work together and figure this thing out. And I think it's really, you know, operationally, it makes a ton of sense. The hard part is um, flipping people's mindsets to working in that way. Yeah. Because back to your original question, which was around goals, is we started this in February with the goal of doing quarterly planning. So our goals are really on a quarter by quarter basis, but we're a really big old bank. So we still kind of work on annual goals. Yeah. Um, and so we have to put these goals out there and then break them up into bite-sized chunks. So that's one goal was, was fully transitioning 
our agile working model throughout the year. Even though we rolled it out in February, we know there's just going to be things we have to tackle. Sure. So that's one. Um, you know, we want to continue to mature our organization, which ties back to the um, frameworks I talked about, right? So we took, I took a framework when I took over this role um, from SANS and broke it out into a maturity model. And it's just based off of CMMI, the capability maturity model. It's on a one to five uh, basis. And we say, all right, let's rate ourselves at the beginning of the year. Let's rate ourselves at the end of every quarter. And let's see how incrementally we can get better. And we, we tie our goals of maturity into that. And we say, I want to mature by 0.3 this quarter in this area. Manager, go figure out what it's going to take to do that. And that's your goals. So for me, that's strategically how I set the goals for the organization um, is to, to do the maturity. Um, we're, we're doing this, the shift to Agile. We're also going to be looking at what it, what it looks like to um, build out a full M&A uh, playbook. So we're doing mergers and acquisitions and, you know, those go any range of ways. So we need a playbook for that. How many people do we typically need to staff? How many tools do we need to implement? You know, all that kind of stuff and figuring that, that out. Um, and then the, the other name of the game for us is speed. So uh, we just signed a big um, contract with Microsoft. We're going to be putting a lot of stuff in Azure. Mm-hmm. And that means we're going to have to get faster because the speed of operating in the cloud in the cloud environment with assets that spin up and down in you know, sometimes milliseconds, sure. we have to be faster with what we're doing. Um, so we really need to shift as far left into the um, process as humanly possible with what we do. And we need to detect, um, assess, and work things faster. So automation. I talked earlier about my favorite tool being ServiceNow. Um, it's just not fast enough. We've got to make it faster. So I, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, we have our OKRs, our objectives and key results for every quarter. And that's what I get rated on, yeah. right? So my department, I put those down and my boss looks at my OKRs for the for the quarter. And, you know, um, we kind of have this this thing where it's like, you know, not achieving your OKRs plus a, uh, a, good, or a good excuse does not equal achieving your OKRs. It doesn't matter. You had a good excuse or not. You still didn't do it. Okay. So when I come back and go, hey, man, I, I got hit up by, you know, internal audit and I didn't know this was coming. Um, that pushed us off by two weeks. It's like, guess you need to figure that one out, don't you? <laughs> you know? so yeah. Those things kind of, that, that happens, right? And so it can be very impactful. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Agile because it's been making its rounds within internal audit. It seemed like in 2020 mm-hmm. is when it really, people started to really talk about it more and more and, and shot to get it implemented in some fashion, uh, or at least some folks did. And I know when at your previous employer, like every department basically went agile, right? Like including HR. Mm-hmm. And so how did that, how did that work out where it was agile across the board? You know, my take and my opinion on it is that there is no, like everybody can't just take the agile manifesto and implement it 100%. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only way an organization does it really well is if you end up getting agile coaches and you put them in every department and you allow them to help work out the way agile works best for said department. Mm-hmm. An example I'll give you, right? HR is a good, HR is a good example. We'll, we'll take that one. How about that? HR is an animal that doesn't work well in sprints. 
Like that doesn't make any sense. What are, what are the outcomes that are standard and repeatable that you need to be doing every two weeks in HR? I mean, we talk about sprint recruiting and, and things like that, but or I've, I've read things about that, but it's still like, it just doesn't lend itself super well to full blown, like I assign points to teams and we, you know, we have all the, all the, the, the lingo and everything. It just doesn't work out well like that. So what I saw working best was for HR to incorporate itself within the team's um, work intake tool. I mean, what, luckily for me, both organizations I've worked at that have been agile have used Jira, which I really like. Um, and basically what it is, is, is you, you get all together and you go, all right, what's our, what's, what's this quarter look like? What are we trying to achieve? What are we going to need to do? And I have HR in the room and I have technology in the room. I have security in the room. I have internal audit in the room. I have everybody in the room and we're doing quarterly planning together and saying, Hey, I got this thing going on this quarter. Oh, I got this thing going on this quarter. Oh, then I can't, I can't give you a dependency for that thing because I've got this thing. And that way everybody's hashing it out and everybody's doing it. But then everybody goes back to their respective corners and they do do agile how they do it. Right. Like if yours is BAU agile, fine. Absolutely. Then I'm just using a JIRA board and getting people to submit tickets and we're prioritizing them and working on BAU every day. If I'm over here a dev shop and I'm, you know, taking in requirements and prioritizing that, assigning points and giving them out to my developers, then that's different, right? And every two weeks we do a release. So I think to me that's the way it's worked the best, or I've seen it work the best, is that you have that quarterly touch point where everybody gets in the room, gives each other their dependencies, and we plan things out. And then we all go back and we do our work. And where we need to collaborate, we collaborate, right? But um, the way I've seen it not work very well is where everybody just does it their own way and nobody ever gets together. Um, and, and you end up doing siloed quarterly planning mm-hmm. or siloed planning for anything. And then it's like, why had these three projects to go in Q3 of 2021? What the heck happened? And then you're looking over there and HR or audit or whoever is going, yeah, but I had three projects to go in Q3. And we're all working toward this thing but we're all working in different lanes and and just that's where it all blows up. It's got to be fully done or like not done. If that makes sense. And that's, yeah, it just makes it too hard when everybody's trying to swim in the same direction, but they don't know, you know, who's swimming in the lane next to them or what lane they're supposed to be in or, you know, basically anything. So that, that would be my answer is it's, it's gotta be done holistically. Yeah. That's holistically apart. How about that? That's a great story. I feel like we're probably going to see it, the proliferation across the organizations um, or across departments within an organization. I think that's going to be more common. And so uh, I think that's fantastic advice. Like I know you've hit on a lot of really good stuff, but um, I feel like emphasizing that collaboration piece and the analogy of swimming in whatever the wrong lane or, or, you know, however you phrased it. I think that was really, that that was a really great um, takeaway um i know you and i have done i think we did a well i know we did a panel uh maybe a year or two ago i can't even remember what it was about it could not have been about security because that's definitely not my area of expertise but i know you do give a lot back to the security profession but what what all are you doing for the security profession 
a good question. So I, I've spent, this is my first year or last year was my first year not doing it, uh, but I spent six years on the C-Risk certifi- certification committee um, at, for, at ISACA. And that was really fantastic. And really the whole goal of that was to get together and make the exam and the um, materials behind it better, right? right? And more indicative of what we're seeing in security. Uh, because it, as a as a certification that people use to to hire people, that people use to to give real credence to what someone's experience is, then we want to be as applicable as possible, right? And and as accurate as possible. So, spent six years doing that. Um, <clears throat> I also am active, have been active in our local ISACA chapter of last year. I was uh, a board member there for a while. So I'm big about ISACA. Really believe in in their vision and and whatnot um coming up here in april i'm going to be doing uh one of the sessions at alabama cyber now um so i try to to go and talk a lot at at things like that at events like that and and really try to share as much as i've learned the other thing i would say is and this to me is even more critical that people need to do the further along they get in their career is never say no to anybody that wants to have lunch or talk to you or pick your brain or call you um, you know, I, I think there's just such value in mentorship. Mm-hmm. So at work, I've got a couple of mentees, um, around town, I've got a couple of mentees and, you know, it's, it's not even about like paying it forward or anything like that. It's, it's more about just that this is something I want my kids to see a clear path into what I do if they want it. And the only way we do that is as executives in this field, we have to go out there and really beat the bushes and make sure that we're strengthening the field as much as we can and clearing the path as much as we can. Um, one of the things that I'm super passionate about is trying specifically to help women enter um, cybersecurity mm-hmm. and especially women of color. Um, the, the thing I would tell you that um, on, the, on the personal side is um, both of my daughters are biracial and I am really passionate about seeing more women of color in executive leadership in cybersecurity. It, it, today, I feel like the path is difficult. Um, and I don't know if that's inherent to the field. I don't think it's like a bias kind of thing. I just think it's, it's there and, and people aren't clearing the path well enough. And so to me, that's, that's another way. Um, and then going back to, I go back to UA, um, probably twice a year, once or twice a year, do talks at, uh, Ames meetings, try to recruit there, go. And um, I used to teach a class at UA, like I just, just really trying to engage in whatever the next generation is that's coming into the field. And even if, here's the thing I'll tell you, um, even if these people don't end up in cybersecurity, hopefully they take some snippet of what I've said away and go into some other part of the business and it makes the business more secure. Yeah. Because that's, that's gotta be our end goal. It can't just be about bolstering our department or security as a whole, it's gotta be about making a more security aware um, organization across the board. So even if they're like, man, screw this, I wanna be an accountant. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully you're a more security minded accountant because of something we've talked about. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, just really try to, to invest in other people as much as I can, um, yeah. And I know I've seen, I know I saw one of your sessions a few years ago 
and I forget what it was about entirely or the, the name of it, but it's something about like mapping COBIT to something. And I was like, oh, sweet. I'm about to get this one CPE and never, you know, it's like, I don't even care. I'm just going to get the CPE. <laughs> and then I, like at the end of it, I was like, Holy, that was really good. Like, so I, I say all that to say, <laughs> if you get the chance to, to see Justin either in person or uh, on a webinar or something, definitely check it out. I, I think we've all been to the, um, Hey, this is an interesting topic. I'm going to attend only to get the speaker that is everything other than interesting. And even something as uninteresting as it sounded, which whatever it was, yeah. uh, you managed to make interesting. And I, I remember actually there was one slide you showed mm -hmm. and I still have it. Um, it was a Freddie Mercury, like on one of his album covers, he's got like his fist in the air. <laughs> and you said something about uh, being like Freddie Mercury after you finish something, whatever it was, uh, and put it, you know, putting your fist in the air, like Freddie Mercury. I still had that slide and I use it in some of my sessions, but I don't know if you remember right. as soon as, as soon as it was over, you, you finished your session. I walked up to you and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this session next week. I'm going to steal that slide. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell the joke the same way you told it. So, um, uh, maybe, fantastic. maybe it's just cause I'm a, I did uh, not know that. Do what? I said, I did not know that. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I remember, I think I remember it was at, it was either at an ISSA or ISACA lunch and learn, I believe. Yeah, it was an ISACA. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was ISACA. So intertwined with ISACA. But yeah, I don't even remember what it was about. But I do remember that slide. <laughs> and, and I think it said something about we are the champions at yeah. the bottom. But yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember the context. So <laughs> I don't either. I know I know yeah. how I've applied it since. Um so if nothing else, if you like Queen, you, you might enjoy Justin's uh, sessions that he does. Like Justin, we appreciate the, um, the, some of the practical advice. Sometimes I feel like I have to tease that out of people and go, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? And I feel like you brought that without me having to really ask. So I uh, definitely appreciate that and the time. What else, what else, is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, number one, thank you. For, for the time and, and, you know, having me on, this has been a blast. Uh, if you can't tell, I love talking to people, love talking about things. My favorite topic is me. So um, <laughs> happy to come on here and talk about me. Uh, so, no, I, I think the one thing I would leave people with is that um, security is fun. Security is exciting. It is a, you know, a wide open job field that, that I feel like is growing and, you know, there's tons of jobs out there and there's just money being thrown at people left and right. But, you know, I, I do want people to know that, you know, security is a grind and it is difficult. And there are a lot of weekends work and a lot of, you know, um, holidays that we end up on incident calls at night and, and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I think I've missed like three Thanksgivings in a row because of something. Um, I was on a conference call in the middle of Disney in, in December, like, you know, it can be, difficult but i'm convinced trent i'm convinced we can do this without losing our souls and i think that's what we've got to all figure out and come together and understand is that you know it's hard and your job is hard auditors jobs are very difficult too we just have to continue to treat each other like human beings and understand that the you know the, the person on the other side of this conversation is more than what they do mm. and their scenario is different than mine and we need to take the time and sit down and understand one another 
Uh, one of the things we didn't hit on that you and I have talked about is that I've implemented a, I go and sit with internal audit. I go and sit with them and I understand where they're coming from on a regular cadence, weekly, monthly, whatever it is. And we don't talk about work. And I think that's so important. That's what I want to leave people with is work doesn't always have to be all about work. Get to know the person that's, that's working with you and understand their motives. You know, everybody's not evil <laughs> and it's just too easy to dismiss everybody as an adversary. And that's just not the case. 99% of the time they got a job to do. They got mouths to feed at home. They've got scenarios that, that you can't think about. And so that's, that's the advice I would leave people with is just remember that we're talking about human beings not people in position or not not positions talking about people not positions hey everyone thank you very much for listening to this episode of the audit podcast whatever platform you're listening on right now i'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere so please hit the subscribe button there if you're listening through itunes or spotify feel free to go give us that five star rating it only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five star review and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.